electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, and I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, Twitter's testy letter to Meta over the new Twitter rival, Threads. Max Tawney, the semaphore reporter with The Scoop, explains what Twitter's lawsuit threat is really about. While Meta might have hired some former Twitter engineers and staff, none of them even supposedly worked on this product. And jobs, jobs, jobs. The U.S. labor market is easing, but AI's grip on hiring still going strong. Hybrid workplace expert Sadal Neely. It's important to experiment. It's also incredibly important to understand all the harms and the liabilities that come with these, anywhere from bias to misinformation. And the opportunity for employers with founder of Tribe AI, Jacqueline Nelson. I'd expect to see companies of the future running with fewer people, but there are many more companies. And so opportunity still will abound. Those stories plus full FDA approval for a new Alzheimer's drug, Amazon CEO Andy Jassy speaking out on AI, and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen halfway through her visit to China, which, it seems, is going pretty well. CNBC's Beijing bureau chief, Eunice Yoon. Her plane landed on the tarmac and then a rainbow appeared. It's Friday, July 7th. Final countdown. I requested Friday, I'm in love. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue it, please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We're live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is off today. The FDA fully approving the Alzheimer's treatment, Lakimbi. It's the first antibody treatment for Alzheimer's to be approved by both the FDA and Medicare. To be eligible for Medicare coverage, Medicare patients diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment must be treated by a doctor who is participating in a data collection system that was established by the federal government. The treatment is made by Japanese pharma company Isai and Biogen. In a clinical trial, it slowed cognitive decline from early Alzheimer's disease by 27% over 18 months. And that is something to get excited about. You can see the excitement from investors there, too. Esai up by about 52 percent. Biogen up by 31 percent. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen making public comments in China overnight. She said that she's concerned about the export controls announced this week on two metals used in chip manufacturing. Eunice Yoon joins us live from Beijing. And Eunice, this has been something we've all been watching. Expectations are low, but so far we're hearing they are making some pretty substantial talks. They're making maybe not substantial progress, but they are having substantive talks. 
Yeah, they are having uh, various discussions. And Secretary Yellen um, earlier met with American business executives at an AmCham event. This included uh, folks from Boeing, Cargill, Bank of America, Medtronics, as well as S&P. And she told the executives that she's pressing the U.S. case against various Chinese business practices. And she said that she's, quote, particularly troubled by punitive actions against U.S. firms and concerned by new export controls on two metals uh, used for chips. Now, the the AmCham president later told me that uh, his folks were really quite encouraged by her trip because it addressed what he described as a pain point for U.S. businesses in China, and that is the deteriorating uh, U.S.-China ties. Now, she is meeting with the country's premier, Li Chang, and uh, he might be the highest level person that she ends up meeting during this trip. He's also uh, President Xi Jinping's point man who's been wooing foreign investment and trying to get uh, Western governments to stop de risking or cutting ties with China. But what I think is really interesting, guys, is the commentary and the impression that this trip is leaving, because um, state media has been reporting about how her plane landed on the tarmac and that a rainbow appeared. And so they're saying that this is a sign of harmony after conflict, which suggests, since this is on state media, that the government wants to spin this as a positive uh, trip. And the other thing that's interesting is how um, the social media has been abuzz with the fact that she was spotted eating at a local Chinese restaurant. So people have been saying things like, wow, you know, somebody of her standing in the U.S. government is eating at a local dive, a really good local dive. But, um, I mean, unintended or intended American soft power. I don't know. Yes. Um Eunice, we also want to get your take on a Reuters report that says Chinese authorities are likely to announce a fine of at least $1.1 billion on Ant Group that would supposedly bring an end to the fintech company's years-long overhaul. What do you know about that? Yeah, well, um, that would be um, very significant uh, because of the size of the fines. The bad news would be that uh, people are talking about how this fine could be $1.1 billion, which would be uh, one of the largest that the Chinese internet industry has seen, uh, close to par with the, the fine that was slapped onto Didi uh, years ago. Uh, but the good news is that this means that it could clear the way for Ant to finally get um, a license to become a financial holding company, which would mean it would be regulated like other banks, but it also means that it could eventually IPO and expand its business. Uh, the other uh, point that people are talking about is that it could be a sign, as we've seen now, um, a couple of different signs that the Chinese government wants to ease pressure off of the private sector and kind of say, you know, kind of grow, let's grow, let's, you know, uh, try to, to kind of reverse some of the crackdowns that we've seen over the past years. So, yeah, so in that way, it's wanting, also seen as a positive development. Right. Maybe wanting the economy to grow again, being more concerned about that than some of the other issues that had held them back to that it, point. It, it, it's Friday, Eunice, and uh, I don't like to have my Fridays ruined. And this, I don't know if this will make its way over uh, uh, to your, um, over the transom, but uh, just goes to say that it'd be very easy for an op-ed in the, Wall op in the journal. It'd be very easy for China and Russia, maybe in combination. World War III will be fought with viruses, and that a two-front biological and cyber attack could defeat the U.S. before we even know what hit us. So I don't know whether I'm going to stop somewhere and start stocking up on stuff on the way home. But I, I don't. I just want to mention it to you, Eunice. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know whether it's on your. 
uh, whether you've seen it or, or not, or, or what's going to happen. Or no, anything, but it's a, I, I, it's no, I thought that you were prospect. talking about that your your day was going to be ruined by being too busy on covering Alibaba stock because analysts here have already yeah. been just talking about Ant and that uh, what this could potentially mean for know. Alibaba. I, 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 just feel, I have not heard about the viruses uh, yeah, that you're talking it's about. A, it's an op-ed piece, but it's 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 good to I guess. Think about all the black swans in, in what could happen in the future. But COVID could have been a warm-up, which uh, is just a frightening thought. Eunice, uh, thank you. We appreciate it. Amazon CEO uh, Andy Jassy challenging the notion that Amazon's fallen behind in uh, AI. In an interview with our own John Fort, he highlighted Amazon's cloud business is one that's poised to benefit from new uh, AI applications. All those teams are, are really reinventing their customer experiences using generative AI. So we're building a bunch of those applications, but the overwhelming majority of those generative AI applications will be built by other companies. And we're quite optimistic that people will build them on top of AWS. I was really hoping for some new age sort of smooth jazz to get us. Yeah, just something, you know. I could whistle for you. Don't do that. That's so jarring. Uh, jazzy, do take five. Do you know take five? No. Jazzy uh, categorized the current AI uh, environment as the hype cycle that comes before the substance cycle, which we, uh, the substance cycle, that's happening at the White House right now. But uh, this was a great interview. I listened to it yesterday with, with John. I was in the car, so I listened in the car. And um, it was really in-depth, really thorough, yeah. went into a lot of different pieces. But the thing that kind of struck me the most is Jassy really seems to have a grasp for all of this. He's got a longer-term plan, three to five years, of how they're going to build this out, and he's still looking for a lot of growth. Um, and that's been something the market's been a little reluctant to buy into is are they going to have the margins that's two businesses you've got the online business you've got the aws and all of those mm -hmm. things putting together but um he it's does amazing. have a plan for the, growth. the, the breadth yes of different businesses as i you know watch a little amazon tv and then i i leave the house and i see i see those little electric trucks everywhere i am they never they never try to pull over close to the side of the road they just wherever they are where the house is they stop they stop. And I, you know, you got to wait. Um, but, huh? It's a hard job. It's a hard job. To, but they don't even attempt to get over close to, to the side. Like, I'm Amazon. I'm electric. I'm parking here. You've got and big I'm, streets where you are. No, sidewalks. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm going to go up to this store. I'm going to, whatever ever long it takes. And you're just going to have to go around me. And that's okay. Because it's Amazon. And they're bringing you the stuff you need. Exactly. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, is Twitter really threatened by Meta's new Threads product? Elon Musk's personal lawyer wrote a letter to Mark Zuckerberg threatening legal action over Twitter's new rival. But what's it mean for users trying to tweet and thread? Is that what we're calling it? The Semaphore reporter who first broke the story, Max Tawney. Elon has taken a more laissez-faire approach to content moderation and Meta has said that it wants to be more advertiser friendly uh, and part of that is having more restrictive content policies. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. 
Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC Live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kerner along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is off today. Twitter is threatening legal action against Meta over its new text-based social media app called Threads. The company accusing Meta of poaching former employees to create what it calls a copycat application. Joining us right now is Semaphore's Max Tawney, who first reported this story. Max, first of all, welcome. Hi, good to be here. So what happened? You got a hold of this letter. What did it say? Yeah, the letter basically uh, was written by Alex Spiro, who is Elon's personal attorney and who has done a lot of work for Twitter. Basically, uh, the letter said, uh, alleged that uh, Meta had hired former Twitter engineers and staff uh, to basically build this copycat app. And it basically uh, demanded that uh, Meta preserve all documents related to uh, building threads and uh, former Twitter employees uh, who now work at Meta and might have worked on uh, this product. Twitter fired half of the employees. Is there anything that would prevent them from being hired somewhere else after that? Uh, there, absolutely. That's a point that a lot of people raised after uh, we reported the story yesterday. Uh, part of the cost-cutting measures that Elon put in place as soon as he uh, came in and bought Twitter uh, was to you know, get rid of a lot of the engineering staff. Now, one of the other crucial things to keep in mind here is uh, what Meta said in response to this. Meta said that this is completely moot uh, because nobody who is a, Twitter en- a former Twitter engineer actually even worked on the Threads app to begin with. So while Meta might have hired some former Twitter engineers and staff, uh, none of them even supposedly worked on this product. Um, I, I guess I just wonder what that, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg tweeted for the first time in 11 years yesterday, that's right. basically acknowledging that this was a copycat. He tweeted this picture of the Spider-Man, Spider-Man. and the other Spidey yeah. who looked just like him. So <laughs> he's saying, yeah, we are copying you. What, what, what is the legal uh, framework for any of this? What, what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? I mean, I've talked to a number of legal experts because I wanted to see, you know, is this basically just t- tough talk from Alex Biro, who is, you know, a, a pretty accomplished um, but also aggressive lawyer, or was there actually, you know, any sort of validity to this? And there's nothing that keeps you or prevents you from hiring uh, former staff um, to, you know, to, to work and kind of build a, a competitive app. And uh, Meta has said in the first place that they built this off of the back of Instagram. They weren't trying to replicate Twitter and that they, I mean, while that they were maybe trying to take some of Twitter's audience. I mean, they're that clearly, they were, they're yeah, clearly trying yes, to do this. Exactly. Thing. But they, no question about right, it. Right, right. But they were legally allowed to do Right, exactly. But they were building it onto, onto essentially onto Instagram. They weren't, uh, which, which, uh, which is why you were able to kind of, uh, you know, you get some of your uh, Instagram followers and, and the like. So, Max, the, um, the story of the week about the judge uh, talking about you know, the government not interfering with, with what happens on social media. In, in those Twitter files, a lot of it was, Facebook was very cooperative, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, now we have Twitter, which a lot of people 
that used to love the old Twitter <laughs> when anybody on the right got banned. Now they're mad and it's mean again. Is this setting up to be a, a Fox News versus CNN social media site? I mean, is it going to go back to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, banning or, or people at Facebook that obviously live near San Francisco? Are they going to ban anyone that, that, uh, that, that has right-leaning ideas and it's going to be a kinder, gentler Twitter? I think that that's actually, that's a really interesting question. And actually, in the first day, we've seen... I've heard yesterday that people are saying, I'm banned already. They're, they're, they have been doing some more content moderation. I think, you know, Elon has taken a more laissez-faire, uh, you know, approach to content moderation. And Meta has said that it wants to be more advertiser-friendly. Uh, and part of that is uh, is having more restrictive content policies. The criticism, of course, um, you know, from, from some on the right uh, was, uh, you know, was or that, that went too far. Or, or, or center, yeah. Mm -hmm. The loudest voices, I think, were, were probably on the right, but I, I, hear, I hear the point. It all depends on the universe. Uh, you don't know whether you're moving or the object approaching you is moving. You don't know which is which, so it's all relative. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, thank you for coming in, Max. I guess the, the the question is, is this going to be a big competitor? There have been others that have tried. I, I think that this... made a dent. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you correct, on. as you correctly mentioned, uh, there have been in the eight months since Elon bought Twitter, uh, there have been a number of competitors uh, that have really, you know, kind of tried to take some of that dissatisfied user base, people who didn't like Elon's politics or who felt like the changes that uh, that they made on the platform, uh, you know, kind of degraded the quality. Um, none of those have really managed to seriously make a dent. I guess the letter itself is proof that they see this as a Exactly. There's, I mean, they're clearly spooked. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers that they announced for the first day was 30 million signups users. Um, uh, Alex, Alex, well, yes, that's right. Alex Heath um, from The Verge reported last night uh, that it was that that number had uh, had um, had jumped up to 48. Um, and I'm told that that number is is accurate. And, you know, that Mark Zuckerberg might be posting something about that later today. OK, thanks for coming in. Good to Thank see you. Still to come on Squawk Pod, what's new in the jobs market? We're talking the June jobs report and AI's impact on employers, employees and students. Founder of an AI consulting firm, Jacqueline Nelson. There is a lot of fear. It is not unfounded. And hybrid workplace expert, Sadal Neely. There's no doubt in my mind when school is back in session in September that every student is going to use these systems as a companion to their learning. We'll be right back. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. It's the first Friday of the month, which means, as always, it's Jobs Report Day. In June, payrolls increased by 209,000, which means the U.S. added fewer jobs than economists were expecting last month. The unemployment rate ticked down and now sits at 3.6%. It was the slowest month for job creation since December of 2020. Now, the labor market is a key part of the Federal Reserve's decision-making process when it comes to more rate hikes. The Fed keeps tightening, waiting for a labor market that's cooled and inflation that's eased. 
Even though this month revealed an easing job market, the markets at large are still expecting the Fed to hike interest rates later this month, so stay tuned. Now we'll get into the other headlines in the labor market. Here's Becky Quick with Joe Kernan. According to a report by Goldman Sachs, AI could expose 300 million jobs to automation, but increase global GDP by 7%. Joining us now to talk more about the impact of AI on hiring trends is Sadal Neely, Harvard Business School professor, also Jacqueline Rice Nelson, who is the co-founder and CEO of Tribe AI. And Jacqueline, why don't we start with you just with AI, is this really going to mean that big of a, of a problem for jobs, is it, is it going to destroy that many jobs? It's, first of all, good morning, and it's great to be with you all. Um, I think it's worth starting with uh, the fear that people in the market are feeling, um, which uh, is really substantial. We are hearing this from many different angles. Um, and, and, and it's worth just acknowledging that there is a lot of fear. It is not unfounded. Um, I believe that automation will be uh, streamlining different sort of processes and functions. That means that companies of the future will need fewer people to operate. Um, but at the same time, the barrier to entry for companies will go down significantly. Um, and the pace of innovation is rising like nothing we've ever seen before. And so Maybe. I'd expect to see companies of the future running with fewer people, um, but there are many more companies. And so opportunity still will abound, um, but it may look different than it does today. So Dahl, you do you feel that uh, unconcerned about things? Are you more concerned? I think uh, the concerns are legitimate with the advancement of AI and especially generative AI. I distinguish between company-led AI implementations and individual uses of generative AI, which means that people can actually cut the time that it takes for them to do regular tasks. So we're hearing things like what might take four hours to produce is now taking an hour and a half. That's so productivity is getting boosted, which yeah. means um, jobs are gonna get transformed. I hope you're happy, Sadal. I really hope you're happy. <laughs> I hope you're happy. You're telling all these people they can stay home, they're gonna be running back, begging at, at the, uh, please don't make a, don't put a computer in my chair, let me come back. This is all, <laughs> this is all your remote work stuff, Sadal. Listen, Joe, coming home to, I've, coming I've, home always, to roost. I've always said that remote work, hybrid work is digital work, and that our obsession with butts and seats is misplaced. We really need to be thinking about how AI, generative AI especially, is going to transform jobs, build industries, but also displace jobs. So yeah. this 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 physical in-person virtual, we're way past that, Joe. Yep. It's time to think about it, how do we upskill. In truth, I was, just, I was just kidding you. In truth, what you've been talking about, this is just the next extension of the transformation that, that you've been talking about all along that we better be ready for or we're going to be caught flat-footed. So it's, it, it actually confirms most of the stuff you've been saying, much to, <laughs> much to my I, chagrin. Yeah. I truly it believe it, but Joe, AI's been around for 60 years. Yeah. This is not new. It's just been barreling Google's towards AI, us. isn't it? How does Google well, find what you're yes, looking for? It's got to be it. Jacqueline, explain, explain Tribe AI, what it is that you all do. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, we are an AI first company that is helping other companies build AI solutions. Um, so uh, think of us as a modern consultancy, the sort of uh, AI enabled uh, helpers who can help companies actually really bridge the gap between their AI aspirations and reality. And so that was sort of the big piece I was going to come to is all of the the impact on jobs hinges on companies being successful with, with building AI solutions. Uh, because otherwise we are seeing what what you just mentioned, which is a productivity boost for employees. And, and I think that this is really the core moment for companies, the make or break. Um, I think we, we saw a flurry of activity out of the gate post launch of Chat GPT um, with companies who um, really uh, sort of saw the, the moment that they had to move uh, on AI. Um, and then many of them are, are sort of hitting a bit of a wall right now. Um, and that's kind of, I think, the, the core message for uh, really reaching some of this economic growth is that they have to keep going. They have to keep pushing. Um, it may be a less exciting story right now because there's so many challenges they're working through. But going heads down, the companies that are really, really stay focused, that's where we're seeing the gains be had. Um, and and it is worth it. You, you mentioned Google a moment ago. That's that's my former employer where I worked for um, eight plus years. Um, and you are right, every part of the company is powered with AI. That's true for Tribe AI as well. Um, and this this is the future of where companies are headed um, and will determine the, the winners from the losers, in my opinion. Hey, Sadal, let, let's talk just a little bit about ChatGPT. It actually saw its first decline, I think, this past month uh, in users. And I, I think it's probably because kids are out of school, out of college, and they don't need to use it to write all their papers for the most part. That tells you a little <laughs> bit about some of the fury maybe at this point, some of the excitement around this. But Andy Jassy was on yesterday on CNBC and said that there, there is going to be some real substance to this, and that is still coming, that wave. What would you tell people to do, workers to do, to prepare for that and how to get ready? So I think it's important to start learning and experimenting with ChatGPT and Bing and others. So what's also happened is the proliferation of ChatGPT early on starting November is actually augmented by the releases of other uh, generative AI systems, including visual-based like MidJourney. So it's important to experiment. It's also incredibly important to understand all the harms and the liabilities that come with these, anywhere from bias to misinformation, these things actually hallucinate and make things up. So we have to be very careful and develop guardrails to ensure that we're not uh, perpetuating these harms, including violating consent, privacy, and other things. So there's a learning curve that people have to climb very quickly in order to use these systems responsibly. But there's no doubt in my mind when school is back in session in September that every student is going to use these systems as a companion to their learning. <laughs> and as something to write their papers for them. Sadal, Jacqueline, thank you both very much. We appreciate it. That's the podcast for today. Thank you for joining us this holiday week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. To get the smartest takes and analysis from that live TV broadcast, 
right into your ears. Follow Squawk Pod wherever you're listening now. Make sure you leave us a review and a rating and even send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC. You can also send a thread to Andrew at Sorkin Says. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a great weekend and stay cool. We are clear. Thanks, guys. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.